Big news, friends. Mega has a live show, which we will also live stream. It's going to be at the Dynasty Typewriter in Los Angeles Saturday, March 16th, and it's a 4 p.m. matinee. We're going to have a lot of amazing guests, so get your tickets now by heading to our website, megathepodcast.com. And if you're a Patreon member, you get a discount. So join us live or virtually on March 16th and get your tickets now. You know the unmistakable sound of opening your freezer door? That little kiss? Well, my freezer makes that kissing noise and I kiss it right back because it's filled with butcher box cuts that have made my life way more convenient. Delivered right to our doorstep, free shipping, always, and curated customized box plans. It saves me money and trips to the grocery store and I can meal plan for weeks at a time and I got leftovers to boot. Eat better this year with the best meat and seafood on the planet delivered to your door. ButcherBox is offering mega listeners their choice of a weeknight meal essential. That's three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free, that's free, in every order for a whole year. That's a whole year. Plus, get $20 off your first order. Get a kiss from your freezer and your family and sign up today at butcherbox.com mega and use code mega to choose your free offer and get $20 off. Thanks, ButcherBox. Because I really value truth, misinformation really, really scares me. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that dismantles new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. At their best, they attack public health efforts in times of crisis, and at their worst, it's like they're recruiting for the fever dream of QAnon. On Conspirituality, you will have a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic all discussing stories and cult dynamics and helping educate us and using proven science as their guiding light. I really recommend the Jordan Klepper episode talking about creating comedy in the MAGAverse. Jordan's incredible. And I also really love the medical medium episode. It's really good and not just because I've had my own weird experiences with mediums. <laughs> From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed against misinformation and resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional megachurch. We are here, Lord, we are here, and we're ready, ready to Hiya, I'm Hallie Labonte, and this is Mega, coming to you from Twin Hills Community Church, where every single week we give our megachurch a tiny family feel. Ooh, we'd love to introduce you to members of our church staff, people from our community, and I always find it to be a treat and a treasure. And today is no exception, and per usual, I'm joined by my co-host. He's the youth pastor for our high school ministry called Climax. Please welcome Gray Haas. This present fleekness, Hallie, how are you? I am so blessed. I mean, what a week it's been. Not to get too topical, Gray, but we've been shooting stuff out of the sky. Who knows what it is up there? If it's China, if it's aliens. We had the Super Bowl. We Ugh. had Valentine's. We have had quite a week. Just uh, an amazingly packed week and so much going on in secular culture. And Hallie... 
Yes, there may be aliens. We'll deal with that later. Right now, I am just so concerned about what our youth saw at the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh, the It's basically just a built-in performance every year to trigger Christians, isn't it? Yes, it's just an affront to God yeah, and, and to us. And they and try to, to cover it up with the Chris Stapleton stuff, which is great. I mean, he, you know, there's a lot to cover there. But I just, I, I, I cannot believe we continue to put up this sort of trash on national television and, and continue to say it's okay. I think Mark Driscoll tweeted this week, I think he has it best, which is, um, you know, he knows the first name of the baby that Rihanna is going to have, and it's Antichrist. Mm-hmm. I know. And my son Day said, Mom, I thought that unborn babies were, you know, the evangelicals highest calling. Shouldn't you be totally into Rihanna's baby in there in the belly? And I was like, well, <laughs> yes, unborn children are and, you know, they are fully formed children. Absolutely. They're full on human beings, you know, from the moment of conception, from the moment, uh, frankly, <laughs> That it might even happen inside the gonad if there is a sperm that's alive. I mean, that's life. Oh, I mean, I think it's as soon as God thinks of it and, you know, he's always yep. thought of it. But Day is not wrong. You know, Christians' highest value is unborn babies, but it has to be, you know, the right unborn babies. You know, Mark Driscoll could be right in Rihanna's case. That could be the Antichrist. We right, don't know. I guess, yeah. We don't know. It's a bit of a, of a slippery slope, I guess, when, when we're talking about unborn babies. But, you know, in her baby's case, I think he could be right. That baby, just based on the performance alone, yeah. that could be sort of an anti-Christ baby, anti-Christian baby. Yeah. I was also pretty surprised that she didn't have a lot of guest stars because you're always sort of waiting for, you know, a surprise appearance from this big celeb and that big celeb. I know. And it's just like so she thinks wild she can carry that a off the female thing. thinks it can just be... No about them I it mean, was so boring that's, that's very odd and there was just no theme hallie that mm. was my problem with it is yeah, give okay it a theme. what are we supposed to take from this you know there's a lady in red floating alone in this on this sort of abyss and then all these guys in white are sort of swimming around and jumping around all headed toward, headed her, toward her, in the, her yeah and then you know finally she kind of hooks up with one and then by the end she's just alone again and then okay big reveal she's got a baby i just didn't get the theme and mm. i and I don't, I don't think anybody did yeah it should have a story i think they're spending a few billion dollars on oh, it oh they are you know what my favorite part of the super bowl though this year hallie was all the ripped fit athletes no i, I mean i don't really watch the game I loved that Jesus commercial. Awesome. Yep. I mean, that was the <laughs> yeah. only reason to tune in. Yeah. What a great, finally, we have some representation after they just throw this stuff in our face. Yeah. And then I guess everybody was so upset about it saying, oh, this is, you know, putting beliefs in other people's face and, oh, you know, this is, Jesus wouldn't spend millions of dollars on a, a Super Bowl commercial. Guess what? Jesus didn't have millions of dollars. And if he did, he would have spent it on a Super Bowl commercial, whatever that was back then. Well, you look at the words of Jesus and, you know, there are things like um, give away everything you have to the poor. You know, it's almost impossible for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, all that stuff. You know, you got to keep that all in context and realize that Jesus was 
a real proponent of what I think you could kind of call trickle down charity, where if he if he could spend a billion dollars on, you know, feeding the poor or oh, you know clothing have. the naked or visiting totally. the downtrodden and all of that and the widow and the all that um, you could put billions of dollars toward those, you know, the, the needs and the human suffering and. Or you could spend billions of dollars on advertising your existence so that people will believe in you. And then when people believe in you, those people who believe in you, they will spend their, you know, money on the poor. Put it this way, Hallie. Back then, they didn't have the tools that we have today. That's right. They had maybe a wheel, a couple of sticks that they rubbed together. They had preaching. You know, I'm just trying to think about the tools they had and the tools that we have today. We've got Meteor. We've got this amazing Super Bowl exposure that we can give to Christ. And I think those are the tools that they would have used if Jesus was alive today. I just wish that we could have maybe next year we do a Christian Super Bowl version oh. where we have Herschel Walker facing off against some other awesome Christian guys. Oh, that would be exciting We have a great watch. Christian artist, like somebody like Faith Hill. <sighs> she could her. get knocked up and do the halftime show. Oh, and she's pretty old. A real wholesome way. And then, you know, get Tim Allen to host the Puppy Bowl. I love Tim Allen. Tim he Allen. is hilarious. He's the best. What a guy. He was in the news recently for something. I didn't see that. Oh, no, it was from Pam Anderson. It's probably nothing. Because I really value truth, misinformation really, really scares me. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that dismantles new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. At their best, they attack public health efforts in times of crisis, and at their worst, it's like they're recruiting for the fever dream of QAnon. On Conspirituality, you will have a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic all discussing stories and cult dynamics and helping educate us and using proven science as their guiding light. I really recommend the Jordan Klepper episode talking about creating comedy in the megaverse. Jordan's incredible. And I also really love the medical medium episode. It's really good. And not just because I've had my own weird experiences with mediums. <laughs> From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed against misinformation and resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, the comedy podcast, you get a belly full of laughs and a head full of real information. Our gallimaufry of expert guests answer questions on stuff adults need to know. I have mold in my dwelling. What do I do? What's gerrymandering? What happens chemically when I fall in love? How do I handle a parent-teacher conference? What are microbes? Listen to Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Solve problems, get laughs. Just like God moves in mysterious ways, our guest today is a gospel magician. It's Mr. Marcus Tempanot. Feeling the light, feeling the light of God right now. It's great to be here, Gray. And uh, hello there, Hallie. Everybody is talking about the shows that you've been doing all week here at Twin Hills. And I want to ask you a little bit about some of the things that oh, we saw. It, be it better not be oh. any secrets. I'm not giving secrets away. I told you that. I said I wouldn't do the podcast. <laughs> well, I, that's right. I, will not, I, I won't ask you how you did it. But I mean, I guess we do know how you did it, which is 
is like what you say at the end of every trick that you do or illusion you do that the the power of christ was the one who 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 made it all possible isn't that right it's right it's not me it's him double snap (laughs) and and that is your catchphrase isn't it yeah it's not me it's him and isn't that the truth i mean it's in the show of course but it's it's and that's really what gospel magic is it's how i live my life and how i teach the word of christ through the entertainment it's not just oh suddenly there was a, a basket of eggs uh, it's, oh, there was a basket of eggs, and I feel closer to God. Ah, it is just wonderful. Well, I am still tingling from the, I mean, the first the first thing you did, which was the, the Jesus in the tomb trick, oh. and how you were, you were, you were Jesus, uh, you said, see you later, guys, I'm going in, and then, I mean, you can tell us what happened. I mean, yeah, it's it's kind of weird to do a vanish as an opening, but um, I do like that. I mean, I like that one. It's It's, it's an escape. And it's also a vanish. You know, I'm, I'm locked inside. Uh, we use muslin strips that are supposed to represent, you know, Jesus being bound. And um, I get put inside of what I created out of. It's a it's a paper mache. Uh, well, it was originally a coffin. I don't know if you could tell it was a coffin, but it had lots of it was kind of a rock that opens up and closes. Oh. Um, we called that the tomb. Awesome. Yeah. And I always keep it in the, the opening of the church when people are coming in so they could examine it. You know, it says, look inside this tomb something crazy will happen. And, uh, you know, so everybody examines the tomb. They know it's solid, it's sealed, and and uh, it's just right there when the lights come up. And uh, thank you guys, by the way, amazing crew. I've never gotten to enter, because I do this traveling, but I never got to enter from above on those cables. Uh, I enter as Jesus, yeah. uh, lowered directly into the tomb, and I usually have to have a little step ladder, but this was really nice being lowered down into it. It was a very magical opening. And then... Uh, well, as you know, the tomb flaps forward in a flash of light. Two flash pods go off, and uh, there's nothing inside that tomb. What did you, you know, what did you think of that happened? It was like uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I really, it was like oh, we're starting with the finale, and I mean, it really kind of it it, it was kind of the finale, wasn't it? You really, I mean, you that's you, all I because everything after that yeah. was kind of close up magic, yeah. right? Yeah, and I had the, you know the the choir boys did did the rest of the magic. Um, so the, my part in the show is really quite concise you know it's four seconds if you really count it out on the video uh but i like that because it's it's a lesson in a you know we have to appreciate the moment of what's before us god's glory is here and then in an instant it's gone so enjoy it while it's there you know people it breaks the framework of i'm gonna sit down for a show the show is gonna be hours and hours long and i'm shuffling i'm getting nervous is my phone in my pocket i'm thinking about what's going on but now you're like oh here comes the show and whoa wait that's it you know most people say that to me after that's it that was it and yes that was it that was the show that is so awesome and it really does give us such a beautiful example of how we are indeed made in God's image because you are being as magic as Jesus was. He turned loaves to fishes. He turned water to wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. And Mm -hmm. you're just showing us what that looks like when a human can actually work inside the supernatural. Accomplish it. Yes. 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 And do you consider what you do to be supernatural? Right, because is it actually magic? This yeah, is my is question that, is, is really I'm always happening? like, wow, I, I don't know the difference if this is real or not. Yeah. You know? What's the difference between supernatural mm-hmm. magic and illusion? Well, this is kind of the crux of the dilemma that I face is because, you know, I've got one set of rules as a magician and I have another set of rules as a man of God. And as a magician, you know, I'm I'm lying. Uh, I'm deceiving. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm not giving away secrets, mm. yeah. and I am presenting that what I do is absolutely real. And as a man of God, uh, I am truthful. Yep. Uh, I'm not deceitful, yep. 
and um, I can't make sponge balls disappear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Right. Uh-huh. And that's where I kind of draw the line between the two. So the thinking gets a little twisted, which yeah. is tough. And I'll, I know, um, Gray, you got to come to the lecture uh, for people who wanted a more in-depth look at, you know, what this really means. Was Jesus, you know, supernatural? And um, and I know I said I wasn't going to give secrets away. I don't give my secrets away, which is the the number one rule of the magician. And that's my magician brain. Um, but in the lecture, when we talked about the magic of Jesus, um, you know, it's really showing how Jesus accomplished his magic and what it did. You know, the the water to wine, we found tiny little scrapings of a monarch wing in the bottom of the chalice that when he poured the wine in, much like food coloring, it would turn it red. That's how that trick oh, was done. We found. Always wondered awesome. that. Yes. And he was using that magic trick to exemplify his power, which was within and not real. And I love that too, because I think this gives a lot of people Mm -hmm. probably a lot of, you know, encouragement because they're going, well, it's not just, you can't just turn water into wine, but what you're saying is that Jesus was one of the most cutting edge magicians. He was the first one I'm sure to ever think of doing that. And because he thought of that, you could really consider him to be a miraculous type of person. You know, only a gene, only a God would think of, of using monarch wings to turn water into awesome. to something else. Yeah. 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 And honestly, I, I think this is a very important reveal, honestly, that, that I think will send shockwaves through Chris, Christendom in a good way, because what you're telling us is that Jesus wasn't giving alcohol to people who maybe didn't have an ID. You know what I mean? This makes Jesus not the equivalent of a creepy 30-year-old going into 7-Eleven to get some ice house for some kids. Yes and no, because there's a second phase to that. Um, And it's a very in-depth lecture. I I suggest you see it. You know, he would first, you know, we, we believe what we see in front of our eyes. So Jesus pours water into the chalice and we see it turn red. Oh my gosh, he says it's wine, we believe it's wine. He turns toward the altar to pick up a loaf of bread and that's when he switches that dyed red water for an actual chalice of wine. Oh my. So when he turns back around and hands the bread to somebody and they sip it, they say, oh my gosh, this is actually real wine. Oh, You know, otherwise, you know, they'd say, wait a minute, this tastes like some sort of diluted monarch wing. Okay, that's So there's multiple layers as a magician, you know, where you have to, you you put something in the mind and on the offbeat is when you really pull the next trick. You know, someone goes, oh my gosh, that must be wine. And everyone's looking at each other like, that was amazing. And it's in that offbeat that he's switching it for real wine then people later will go home and and say it turned right to wine and i sipped it and they'll they'll forget the part that he turned around to get the bread yeah i just love it when when you get to to break it down like when you really break down the text like that and you're finding out new things about the life of jesus through something like magic Mm -hmm. but uh marcus i also was wondering do you know if the real wine had any alcohol content because you know sometimes you'll be talking to somebody who socially is telling you well i'm a recovered alcoholic Mm -hmm. but you're sort of peeping that weird um, mm. bottle of Heineken in their hand. And then once they go to the bathroom, you have to dig the bottle out of the trash and see that it was a non-alcoholic Heineken. And you go, oh, yes. do you think the wine was like that? Well, you know, I think so. I think it was real. And, um, you know, I know myself that I will sometimes tell, and I am going to give a little secret away here, but I will I will tell an audience that it's not real wine in case anybody's worried about, you know, I don't right. drink alcohol. And it's like, oh, it's not real wine. And of course it is. And this way, because what happens is, is when they don't know it's really alcohol and alcoholism is a made up problem anyway, as we know. Yes. So if you don't know you're drinking it, 
what happens is, is they watch the rest of the magic show and they just think they're being titillated and entertained and feeling a buzz from the joy of, of magic. And uh, it's really just a little little nip nip you know I absolutely and and i've heard that i mean if you slip alcohol to an alcoholic and they don't know it's alcohol i've heard that it won't have an effect on them and they, they still are allowed to stay there on the wagon oh it's all mental isn't it i think so. yeah well they you're the mentalist know, they wouldn't know that they, it's sort of a you know a you've made the relapse vanish right oh because <laughs> they didn't know they had it awesome well awesome. i you know one of the most powerful parts i thought of uh other than starting with the finale of of, of jesus you know Coming, I just thought it was cool that you came down from heaven, went in the tomb, and then vanished. I think that gave us like a totally new idea of kind of what the mechanics were of that uh, of of that day. But I did love your testimony, which was so powerful. Could you tell us a little bit about how you how you started in magic? I believe you were saying that you were actually an assistant to David Copperfield, and that is when you found Christ. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, you know, and as an assistant, it was a rough spot okay. because I was watching him get all of the glory and I found myself really tied up in my desires to to be like him. You know, envy. And I he, wanted and he to has be. All that raw, raw sexual energy, doesn't he? Oh, and, and offstage, it's even more powerful. You okay. know, I mean, we're talking, I would be, I'm in the dressing room 100% of the time when he's in the dressing room. Uh, so I see everything okay. and watch everything, you know, and I photograph everything okay. he likes to have everything you know just for insurance purposes he keeps every single thing on video and recorded so you are on your toes when you're working the copperfield show but so i found myself really just wrought with a lot of jealousy and um i uh there was an it, you know I, I got in trouble for well we don't have to get into the exact but i i was seen with you know i had there was a youth choir and i what what happened well i, I like to think of it as it, there was a different path for me, right? You know, and that path was um, leaving town and and getting away, you know, from the myself and my position and the authorities, and really finding a new. You know, I, I studied a little bit at Our Lady of the Harvard Sheep in Massachusetts uh, for a while, and um, it was in that alone time that I was able to you know, pick up a book. And, you know, it came in, we had these book donations and there was this Mickey Mouse magic book. And I just started leafing through it, you know, like a child and really was inspired to just start the journey myself instead of trying to somehow become David Copperfield, you know, from, you know, cleaning off the stage and being an assistant to jumping into mega stardom. It was like, no, well, now I have some time to be hiding out and just taking this like a child would from the beginning. And I started making magic wands out of construction paper oh, and I making tinfoil balls disappear. And I really found a lot of love from that. And so, and just to, you know, just so for, for those questioning minds, uh, the whole thing with the youth choir was, and, and you did mention this in, in your testimony, was you made them disappear. And then there was this issue of them, you know, not being able to be located right. after they were disappeared. And I mean, I think, as a magician, especially as an assistant, that's not really your problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure to create something extraordinary. Mm. And, you know, maybe my method was too strong. Mm. Uh, you know, you will never find them. And and I think that's important because a lot of times you make something disappear and somebody goes, oh, it's in your other hand. Or they'll look under the table and be like, it's right there. But it's like, how about being able to make that whole choir disappear 
And then, you know, everyone's clapping. And then the next day they're like, okay, we got the joke. And then the next day they're like, seriously, where are they? And then they're knocking on the door and like, really, where are they? And I, as a magician, can't tell you. Awesome. So I have never disclosed, but I'll tell you, they'll never be found. So that's a profound effect. Absolutely. As a mother of a teenager, I have to tell you, I think most parents aren't going to complain. I'll tell you that right now. You did us a favor. That's the most common question, you know, people after a show will say, they'll go, oh, can, I, can you make my wife disappear? You know, like, all oh, these kids, can you make them disappear? And then you go and do it, and then they come after you. And that's a little ridiculous. I mean, it's like, it, that was, I, they asked me to right, do that, it. That, yeah. That's just, that's just the secular culture. I think, you know, once they, and, and this is, and this is something that I wanted to ask you, which is, do you find yourself being the target of secular culture once, like, because you're basically out there showing the powerful magic of Jesus Christ every single day. And I'm sure a lot of people are going, Hey, we want, we don't want to see that. Yeah. We, uh, we don't believe in that. We want the youth choir back or whatever. I do. I feel a lot of pressure for it. Um, I, I do also. I call it showing the magic of Jesus Christ and tissue paper because there's one. You know, in my in my magic, I'm able to kind of find a reason behind all of the different tricks and props that I use. And the the one thing I couldn't really tie into any of the gospel was the the colored tissue paper that I rip up and pull out of my mouth in a long streamer. And I just love yeah, doing that. So I love that one. I know, right? <laughs> I, so I say the power of Jesus Christ and tissue paper, just so that it's like I'm be, being aware of you know, exactly what I'm presenting, I love which that. I think is important. That's, I love that. That's so And awesome. I love too that the little holdover from Copperfield is that you still do all your tricks to Genesis. Isn't that right? I mean, is there any other way? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. that, it's so good. And I love that it's a Christian band. We should show you guys, you know, if I did the show without Genesis, it's not even 50% less good. It's 99% less good. Wow. I mean, it's, it drives, it's everything. It really, the music ties like into my soul, it light it lights me up. It lights the group up, and you know we can all feel it. And that's just love putting that drum section on loop. Oh, you yeah, know, definitely. you know, there's a part of the the full evening show where the the drum break in in the air tonight. Uh, I will just put on a 45 minute loop. And I love that when you were, you know, when it, with the opening finale, when you are coming down and it's basically, you know, I can feel it coming in the air tonight and you're Jesus flying through the air into the tomb right. where you then disappeared. I mean, that is a powerful, magical image. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's again, back to, do you need to see anymore after that? See. And I like to think, no, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I've seen enough and then let's just get out of there. And I think a lot of movies and TV you know, could it's always like the opening to everything is great. The band comes on stage. We're so excited. Or the movie begins. It's creepy. We're going down a hallway and we're all tied into the story. And then you got to sit through the rest of the narrative. It's like, why not just go down that creepy hallway? Leave yourself in a little bit of mystery. Fiend. Yeah. The end. Oh, I love that. I mean, it is so true. I edit. It's one of my side hobbies is I'll take movies and I will edit, you know, edit them down to a uh, four minute version. Oh, really? Yeah, which is with intention spans. And also, I just think that there's a lot of pressure in Hollywood for them to present like, oh, we have to make a movie that's 90 minutes or, or more, you know, Avatar's three hour movie. But, you know, I can get you can really get the whole point of these things in a trailer. Yeah. You know, that's a minute long. So you really you can get the full narrative into four minutes. There isn't a single thing we haven't been able to show in four minutes. Titanic. It's great. You know, the opening credits, they fall in love. We get a little of the jig and then the boat goes down. It's like, what else? Oh, she throws the necklace. We had to get that. It was four minutes, 25 seconds. Got to see that part. But uh, yeah, just let's get it done. Move on. We've got things to do.
give a very powerful biblical metaphor when you used the uh, coming in the air tonight as an example of the Holy Spirit, because sometimes it's very hard to explain the Holy Spirit to kids, you know, and why is he sometimes called a ghost? And, you know, we have to say, well, you know, if Jesus is water and God is ice, then the Holy Spirit is steam or whatever. And you said, no, it's what we're feeling in the air tonight. And we know that the Holy Spirit does come in the air because I think he's the one who impregnated Mary as a teen. And um, and forgive me if this is too personal a question, Marcus, but um, you're so good looking. And I think Copperfield is too. And as I think about it, I think the best magicians are. And is it just that we don't like ugly people? Or do you think that it actually takes an attractive person to make good magic? I think because magic is an art that anybody could really do once you know this secret. You know, you don't need a lot of talent or you don't you don't need a lot of uh, training. You know, it's something that it's a big mystery. But you open up that Mickey Mouse magic book and you go, oh, rubber band. And you're like, that's it. And that's it. Wow. So having uh, being able to also be attractive, I think, gives you like something. Yep other than just the trick. So I'm not just a rubber band, you know, hiding behind a piece of cardboard. I'm a hot guy with a rubber band behind a piece of cardboard. That's right. And I think that really helps. And when you say the secret, you, uh, and and I'm sorry, are you referring to the book, The Secret? Yes. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's, it's the message, you know, it's the message of magic is that the secret is the secret. It's what drives things forward. It's what I know will, will bring me closer to my goals and, and spread love. So that's why, you know, I use, the words, the secret, almost subliminally. And that was very good of you picking up on that because I haven't, I haven't ever had in an interview where I've never showed the book or I've never talked directly about its processes, but that's what I'm, that's what I've got coming in the air tonight is those subtle messages. That's awesome. Well, uh, you know, something that I think everyone should know about, and this was also powerful when some of the, when the trailer was played uh, before the show, which included, you know, some of your 30 to two minute, 30 second to two minute movie uh, cut downs that you did, uh, Mm -hmm. which I think everybody enjoyed those because they were kind of the most Christian moments of the movies. But then you showed a trailer for your new special on Soul Flicks. And I thought that was great. He's going around India. He's going around Russia. He's going around uh, Mexico. And it's just amazing because you are out there on the street and you are doing these Ma- this magic tricks and and Hallie, these are places where people have never heard about Jesus Christ, and they, I mean, they basically in, in some of the places, am I right? They basically made you their leader for a while and, and stuff because they just, you know, they were just absolutely astounded. Oh yeah, and isn't that nice? You know what? Well, we never let them know that I'm a magician until after I'm leaving, and we've gotten the hotels and we've gotten the dinners, and you know, we've taken the ride through the village. So, uh, but then we let them know because that's that that's the honest side of my brain. Um, but yeah, that's exactly right, and I think that. You know, the special is called uh, No Cuss Pocus because, you know, it's something that we could all get together on. Not everybody knows the teachings of Jesus. Not everybody knows what we're trying to spread. But every culture has swear words. That's right. Yeah. And they are really kind of the 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 floodgates to sin. You know, you start watching them creep into your language and and they really just start to warp the mind. So the idea of No Cuss Pocus was what we do on the street. And every time we're doing a trick on the street, of course, when something happens, you know, I pull the streamers out of my mouth or I vomit up the sponge rabbit. Somebody goes, holy, sh-, you know, and they cuss. <gasps> and yeah. what we do is we, yep, we smack them right there. Boom, yeah. right in the face. And that's when we, the sign lights up, no cuss, poke cuss. And we say, this is what this is about. It's a, it, that's the moment where you can teach somebody. Amazing. Their jaws dropped. They're in awe. They've just been slapped. They are like, what's happening? Give them the message right then and there. 
no more swearing. And, and I mean, Hallie, the moment from uh, when he's in New Guinea, I mean, basically after the slap, they're just basically like, well, you're our God now. And I think that's probably a difficult place to be because you're going, well, actually, I'm bringing the good news of this, of the real living God. But when you've got a whole island of people going, no, this guy's Alita now, like, let's, you know, build a temple to him and stuff. I bet that's like a, a bit of a... Um, I mean, that, that it, luckily you're a, a good, you know, part of the time you're a good and honest person and that you don't take the bait uh, because you could just, you know, be a god on some uh, uh, lonely island. You know? Yes. And that goes back to kind of the, the the wrestling between the two figures, because the magician brain, the deceiver, the liar, you know, says, yeah, let's please construct that temple. And, you know, we we've had a few temples made. Oh, really? You know, and when when my own crew has had to come to me and say, listen, are we thinking with the Jesus brain? Or are we thinking with the Copperfield brain? Mm. And I had to say, you know what? You're right. And we didn't have them take it down. I mean, they put so much work into these things. They're gorgeous, the mosaics. And we still visit there and sort of pose as a god in just a few select locations because it's one of those things that who would that hurt to tell them now? Right. Like them. Only them. Right? And me because I don't get to sit in the temple and there's like a jacuzzi. And I mean, the thing is lovely. So it's just about future knowledge. I What an amazing experience. And yeah, I mean, when you see the temples, like the one in Bali was like, I was like, wow, this is like looks like a resort or something. Yeah. Is this show aired in Bali? You know, uh, we have listeners all over the world, but um, I'm not sure about many of the places where there are not a lot of Christians, because this is really, I think, 100% of our listeners are Christian and about 1% Sika. Okay, okay. I would just not want that to be a thing. Okay. Yeah, I think it it, it should. That's be probably fine. something I can get into with Steve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Steve's the one I told that I wasn't going to give any secrets away on this, but and then here I am singing like a canary, giving away all these secrets. But I'll let Steve know just a few of the places that have the temple, and we'll just make sure maybe this episode doesn't. Okay. Yeah. If there are any seekers, you know. Yeah, that's there, great. We won't let let them not seek to take down my temple. <laughs> well, I do have to tell you, Marcus, when I saw you descending from the flies, it really obviously made me uh, think of th that the rapture could come at any moment. Jesus is going to appear in the sky. There's going to be a last trumpet. I'm sure it's going to feel like we're at a massive magic show. And I, as I was watching you float down, I remember thinking, well, we could reverse the tape on this and it could be like the ascension um, in the New Testament when Jesus went to heaven. And I wanted to to ask you as a master illusionist and magician, um, my son, Day, he's always given me a hard time because he has a good Bible knowledge I raised him with and now uses it against me because he's trying to think critically or some other kind of satanic thing. And um, he was saying, Mom, why would Jesus ascend into the sky? See, now we have satellites and uh, spaceships and stuff, so we actually know what's up there and that it's just the cosmos and that there's not heaven or whatever. It's just, you know, there, there's weather and the moon and all that. And I, and, I, I, and I was like, well, I'm sure it was highly symbolic that he flew into the sky. I mean, do you know what he actually did there? Did he dissolve and then magically appear in heaven? Or, or is that a secret we shouldn't know about? And we just have to say somehow it just makes sense anyway. He was catapulted behind a tree. That's all it really was. Um, he jumped from a boulder onto kind of a makeshift trampoline. And what the crowd saw was just a bit of him going up. And then they couldn't see him anymore. And they had Peter standing by the tree, continuing to look up and point up and go, there he goes, there he goes, and look, he's vanishing. Oh. And then everyone went home and went, we all saw that happen. Like, that's the thing with magic. People are like, they take a little piece of what they saw, and then they add what they heard Peter say. Ah. They put those together, and all of a sudden, everybody's the you know the number one authority on watching him fly all the way into the sky and disappear. Did not happen. Oh, so is that what's in comedy and magic? Is that what's called a misdirect? Yeah. 
it's 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 actually what you said too. It's it's symbolic, isn't it? Uh, right. You know, it's still getting that message across. It's still the illusion of descending into the heavens. It's still the illusion of water being turned to wine. It's still underlining and enforcing that the power of Jesus is stronger than your own mind. And those things are important, and that's when it's okay to lie. Yes. I mean, I love this idea of the illusion of truth because I think what we think is, hey, I know a few things. I know Jesus is the Son of God. I know he ascended into heaven. I know he turned water into wine. We know all those things are true. How he did them, we don't know. And that is the magic and the mystery of faith. And I think what you're saying is, yes, these things happened. We don't know how they happened. Uh, And Jesus really gave us the illusion of truth. And that truth is such a powerful thing that we believe in, I guess. I agree. And I think, you know, now nowadays we do know how he did it. And that's Really, what goes into my college course is, give me one of Jesus's miracles. Walking on water. Exactly. So you've got masters of synchronized swimming underneath the water, just kicking their legs strong and holding his feet as he goes across. You know, you take 12 people who keep swimming around in loops like that, holding his ankles up as he goes across the pond. Suddenly, everybody's like, he walked on water and I saw it happen. Oh, didn't happen. Wow. I've never wow. even thought of that. That's, and it's actually, that's more miraculous than just faith. You know what I mean? Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Isn't it? And it is. It's actually more skillful to know that we as human beings were able to hold that dude with the beard's ankles oh. and make it look like he could do that. That's the, that's the power of everyone coming together and making the magic of Jesus for themselves happen. They're holding a God. I mean, that's pretty hard the to tread water strength, and hold God up. The core strength you would have to yes. have to continue... Um, treading water at the same level as a human man could have yep. been 180 pounds are on you. That's yep. amazing. I mean, <laughs> that well, is a God thing. And the first try was not successful. You know, the first the first try was not successful. And that's, you know, that kind of helped. It's one of those magical things where, you know, it gathered around and, you know, they sold it to the T-shirts and the shrouds and everybody's ready to watch this happen and, you know, watch him walk on water. And he started to walk and, uh, Larry didn't make it all the way around, and Jesus stepped into just open water and fell forward, and everyone went shocking. And what that did was it it underlined the fact that people can't walk on water, because now the village is saying, Jesus even tried and can't do it. So that next Saturday comes around when everyone's got their poo-poo together, and there's Larry looping back around, sweating underwater, I'm sure. They got his ankles across. Yep. He goes totally across, and it's like when a juggler drops something. Yep. Sometimes they drop it on purpose. It looks more magical once they're able to actually pull the whole thing off. So that went crazy, much more miraculous than it would have been if he did it the first try. And I love to, and I forgot that we should have said this at the beginning, that you are a professor now uh, teaching this at, uh, I think you said Prager University, and you've got your honorary doctorate from there. And I mean, this is someone who is teaching the youth of America and giving them a bigger, deeper understanding of their faith and the miracles of Jesus. Isn't that right? Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things I just love to do. You know, I can't decide, do I like really doing the show or do I like really, you know, exposing the magic of Jesus? It's a little of both. You know, Houdini was an amazing magician who also exposed spirit mediums. And I like to spread the word of God with my magic shows, but also expose the magic of Jesus with my lectures. Oh, and, I, and I would say even instead of expose, I would call it um, highlight. I just think that that is so awesome. And yeah. it's so cool that, that you know, we know that everything in the Bible is literal, 
except for a couple things that are, uh, you said, symbolic, like drinking wine and ascending to heaven. That is so, so cool. And walking on water. That's right. right. And How did he, well, sorry. I, and the fishes. Okay. The fishes oh, that thing. Was a the fishes one? thing was really just a rumor. Well, he just really cut the pieces of the fish really small. Okay. I mean, people did not get a lot of fish when he fed that whole village. You know, technically, on a technicality, they all got a little taste of that Oh, so it's fish. just portion control. And some of the loaf. It was totally portion control, but but that's like that Houdini thinking. It's not so much what happened that day, but what people are going to say happened. You know, it's the publicity mm. of it. And what about uh, Lazarus? I'm always wondering about yeah. Lazarus because, I mean, that's a dead guy. I yeah, know. Right. Or was it just that Lazarus got hammered because he didn't know there was alcohol in the wine? And he was so hammered that they thought he was dead. And then Jesus came and, uh, well, well, I don't want to give away the secret. Well, yeah, Sorry, you're the expert. Well, yes. Uh, he was not only hammered, but also had severe bouts of diarrhea. Is that right? Yes. So he was, he had the flu on top of being wasted. And so, you know, the smell, a lot of people had confused with decomposition. Oh, wow. Because, you know what, they knew what a drunk smelled like back then. It was, you know, you either smelled like you hadn't showered or you smelled like a drunk back then. That was the two options you had, you know, because we couldn't all shower. So um, for the, for him to smell the way he smelt, you know, well, you know, again, here's the word of mouth spreading. One person says, oh, this guy's dead. And everyone's, oh, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. And they all walk away from him. And yeah, it took him 72 hours to finally, you know, pick himself back up, clean himself off. He went into the lake. So he came back naked and totally clean. And there you have raising from the dead. I mean, that is a really similar story to, well, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but I had an uncle Nevis who called himself a magician. And oftentimes he would, you know, at a family party or whatever, drink too much and, uh, you know, poo his pants. Yeah. And then, you know, he, he would call it a miracle that, that, oh, that, that he would. Nevis Lapine? Yes. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah. That, oh, my. That's, God. yeah. Oh, well, Nevis Lapine has pooed himself at a number of magic conventions as well. I will tell you. I, I don't know, know Nevis very well with really? the brass tube yes. and the core. Oh yeah, oh, yeah, boy, and he oh, would boy, always boy. say it's a miracle yeah. that I'm that I'm standing up right now. And we'd go, yeah, because you know you drank, uh, you know you drank th three quarts of rum and then yeah. tried to do uh, a magic show. And it was a miracle. It really was that he was yeah. standing up. I mean, it would have been a better miracle if he didn't sh poo in his pants. And he did die last year. I'm not sure if you heard. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he uh, we did a broken wand ceremony. Yeah. Oh, you did. Yeah. Now, what is a broken wand ceremony? Uh, well, when a magician passes, uh, you know, magician friends will get together and do sort of a celebration of life and they will break a magic wand, oh. not to symbolize that, that the magic is gone, but it's now being released upon us. And we broke the wand. We had people crying in the room. Amazing. And who stands up? No. Out of the coffin. No. Yes. Nevis. No. Um, well, we were like, what? you! Because he really had us. He really had us. They had a makeup artist in there, really like had that like waxy, total embalmed look. I mean, they went all out. They had like, there were, I don't know how much they spent on flowers for a fake funeral. I mean, it was great. That's amazing. I, I thought I would have heard of this, but you know, I haven't talked to that side of the family in years and he was a bit of a pervert. So I was just trying to keep it out of my mind. Yeah, I think he took off after that. Okay. So I'm not sure who else knows oh. about that or if I... Yeah, it, I technically kind of like an AA meeting shouldn't really be talking about what went on at a magic meeting. Got it. But um, you might want to edit that out. I don't know if, you know, uh, that's going to be an issue. We could talk to Gary. Well, Marcus, I don't know if um, you need a word basket of encouragement, but I would like to give you one about the whole lying thing. I mean, I'm sure as a magician, it has to wear on your soul to a certain degree that you have to maintain these lies or illusions. But I mean, do you kind of think it's like the Christian equivalent of um, like the Dietrich Bonhoeffer thing of like, is it OK to kill someone if it's Hitler? 
I agree that it is. And I think that's the kind of the way I frame it in front of an audience. You know, I am the magician. I know how the trick is done. Is it okay to lie to the audience who is stupid? Marcus Tapenade was played by the outstanding and incredibly magical Michael Carbonaro. Check out his great TV show, The Carbonaro Effect, and his live tour right now called Lies on Stage. All that information is at michaelcarbonaro.com and follow him at Carbonaro. I'm Holly Laurent playing Hallie Labonte, and Grey Haas was played by Greg Hess. Follow us and Mega the Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And if you really want to get out of hell free card, support us on Patreon. The link is in the show notes.